Hey there, welcome to Blockhead, the Peanuts tribute podcast from a cartoonist's point of view. My name is Jeff Grogan, and I'll be your host for the next hour or so in a series of conversations with comics creators about their lives, their work, and comics. So sit back and enjoy. Welcome back, Blockhead listeners. As promised, we have part two of our marathon-length interview with Mike Allred, the great creator of Madman and the Atomics, X-Ray Robot, Ecstatics. He's worked on Silver Surfer. He's worked on Bug for DC and and the Fantastic Foe, one of my favorites, and uh, so many, so many others and so many great books and so many great comics. So I am thrilled to have him here. He has a brand new package out. It's called the Madman Library Edition, or better known as the Madmaniverse Volume 1, part of a six-volume set that's available at your local comic shop now or ready for order. Volume 2 comes out just in time for Christmas. This book is like almost 700 pages of Madman Adventures from 1990 to 96. The original Madman comics from way back when in color for the first time colored beautifully by Laura Allred and Mad Mad Adventures and Mad Man comics from Dark Horse all the way through issue 10 plus all kinds of great pinups and extra stuff you cannot beat this package for a collection of Mad Man Mad Maniverse volume 1 check it out at your local comic shop be sure to order it now before they're all gone. 700 pages chock-a-block full of great mad madness. <laughs> hey, did you know, to quote uh, Stan Lee from the old bullpen bulletins, uh, hey, did you know, Mike Allred and Laura Allred have both been nominated for Eisner Awards. And of all things, Mike Allred has been nominated for his lettering on Bowie, which we talked about last time. And as you know, uh, it's his own hand lettering. So kudos to Mike. And certainly not to be forgotten, Mike is also nominated for Best Penciler Inker for his work on that wonderful book, Bowie. So if that doesn't convince you to go out and get it, well, maybe this will. Laura Allred has also been nominated for an Eisner for her work on Bowie, as well as on Mike's most recent uh collection, X-Ray Robot from Dark Horse. Congratulations to the All Red team, to Mike and to Laura. It's well-deserved. And geez, if you haven't seen this stuff, you really owe it to yourself to go pick up Bowie and X-Ray Robot. X-Ray Robot, too. We didn't talk about it much last time, but uh, it's astounding. And uh, the the coloring, everything is just so mind-boggling. It's like a pop art masterpiece, as is Bowie. So, I'm a fan. Go get that stuff, okay? We're going to get right to part two of the interview, and this is a great uh, a great part of the interview. It's really, we get into talking about process and talking about comics and talking about comic book movies and Stan Lee and Jack Kirby, and there's a whole pile of stuff uh, for us to talk about, so much so that maybe someday we'll do a part two uh, to follow up on this. I sure enjoyed talking with Mike. He's one of my favorite comics creators. Before we get into that, though, I just want to let you know about my latest project. I'm getting ready to put up a Kickstarter sometime in July now. It's coming together pretty quickly. Uh, this is a Kickstarter for the first issue of my new project, Green Screen. 
and it is a comic book that I'm really proud of. It's about an actress lost in a universe where all the movies ever made are worlds unto themselves, and that leads into a whole pile of different adventures. It's fun. It's funny. If you like Doctor Who, if you like Rick and Morty and Mad Magazine parodies, you're going to like this comic book. There'll be lots more information about my Kickstarter for green screen on my Instagram. That's at green screen comic, okay? So be sure to follow me there to find out more and keep up with all the news about the Kickstarter. It'll be happening very soon. So why don't we just dive back into the interview now and let the man talk for himself, okay? Myself and Mike Allred in conversation. Okay, you've got the music, you've got the movie making, you know, you've got the theater. Uh, all of this kind of thing you're bringing together in a kind of life that is... More than just, you know, the boxes we put Mike Allred into or other artists into. That's exactly right. Like, mm -hmm. why why limit yourself? If, mm -hmm. if tomorrow I want to make a big statue, I'm going to figure out how to do it, you know? Um, because that's where, where my inspiration is taking me. Mm -hmm. what, but what's happened over time is I've tried all these different things and continue to tap into film or, or music and whatnot, what I've, what I really, uh, focus in on is the comics. That's mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. me that, well, first and foremost, it's where I get to collaborate with Laura. Mm -hmm. So that that's, uh, the main drive there where we're making something together. This, you know, I do what I do and then she comes in and just sprinkles magic on it. You know, she puts this magic spell on it. And so, uh, that's really exciting for me at the, at the tail end of everything. I then get to see it get amped up to this whole other place because of mm -hmm. her. And mm -hmm. that's fun. And so that fuels me. And it's also faster. It takes a lot longer to make an album, a lot longer to make a film. And there's all, all sorts of other productive hurdles that you have to jump. But with comics, I could make comics whether or not anybody ever sees them. Mm -hmm. You know, so it, it, I, I'm not, in other words, I'm not dependent on somebody else to allow me to right. do that. I, I, I have to have massive support to make a film. I have to have massive support to mm -hmm. release an album. And I mean, that would be the next easy thing to do where if, you know, I, I, I there are, there are tracks that I've played every instrument on them. So mm -hmm. I know I can do that. But with that, the thrill again, just like working with Laura, it, the collaboration is the thrill of that. But then how do we get people to hear it? You know, mm -hmm. and, and, uh, do we, do we get out on the road? Do we have to perform? Because that becomes a whole other, uh, distraction or detour. Right. So, um, but then with a comic, uh, I mean, I, I haven't been to a comic book convention in over a year for obvious reasons. And I miss it really bad. I miss that face-to-face -face interaction with people that make this possible for us, that we get to do what we get to do. Um, but it, that's not dependent on us doing it. Right. You know, um, right. I don't, right. I don't think going to a comic book show is going to sell that many more books. It, uh, our industry really doesn't work like that. Mm -hmm. the, generally the people that come to the show are already exposed to our work and, um, or they're at a show um, to specifically see the artists that they're there specifically to see. There's very, very little discovery at a comic book convention. I feel, mm -hmm. um, I, I'm, I almost always find stuff, uh, 
through um, um, recommendations from friends or sure. um, various publications, reviews, or just looking at the shelf at the comic book store mm-hmm. you know, or, sure. or looking through a catalog, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so just generally getting exposed, but I can't remember ever going to a comic book show and going, aha, <laughs> I'm into you now. You know, I, I, I've just, I don't remember ever being introduced. I, I'm, I'm sure it's happened, but I don't Have remember. Have you ever been to happening. like small press expo or any of those kinds of places? A, a, a few times. Uh-huh. And, but, but then again, um, I'm almost, uh, most of the people are people I already know. That, yeah. That's one of the beautiful things about this industry is we all pretty much know each other or mm-hmm. are at least familiar with each other's work. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, uh, so like if I, if, for instance, if I'd gone to small expo, I'd be like, Oh, Paul Pope, this guy's great. But I already knew Paul Pope, you know? <laughs> so, uh, because I was introduced to him, um, through a publisher or, you know, uh, like we're at a, um, and that's another thing that's like, we live, uh, about an hour and a half South from Portland, which is becoming this major Mecca for comic book creators. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's really easy to, you know, see a lot of these people. And we always do a big blowout for Halloween and New Year's, and um, people will come down here and, you know, play and have fun with us. And it's it's relatively convenient, you know. You know, one of the things that strikes me about uh, comics, when you're talking about making comics as a, um, you know, something you continue to do, you don't really need the outside support necessarily just to make them. You can make them and get them out there. There are a lot of ways to get them out there. But one of the things that strikes me in talking about Bowie, talking about multimedia and being creative um, and finding comics is, well, one of the things about it is it is a multidisciplinary medium. It's a, uh, you know, it involves multiple skills sets you know you're not just i mean on the one hand you're composing pictures and and putting them together but you're also writing you're writing with those pictures and you're also writing with text you know so there's there's this multi you know media it, it's a, a multimedia uh art form really and and it requires a variety of different different sides of the, of the mind working at, at you know different levels to to create comics because it's, it's unique in that sense, you know? Um, so it kind of brings together uh, a lot of interests and enables an artist like yourself who is, you know, working in a variety of different ways to kind of, you know, hone in and, you know, um, satisfy a lot of different urges all at once. Very much. I, I, for me, it's the perfect independent creative medium. Um, if you, if you love novels and you love art, just that right there. But it is also very musical. Mm -hmm. Always uh, by having piano lessons from childhood and guitar lessons and, and composing and recording there, there is a rhythm to creating a comic book that is very, very similar to music. It's very musical. And and that's why my first independent series was called graphic music. Um, And uh, I, I've always it's also very rock and roll, but yeah. some comics feel like a symphony to me. Some comics, you know, feel like ragtime. Um, it, it's very, very musical. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I mean, you know, the idea of rhythm and pacing 
uh, telling a story, the beats of a story, yes. the beats of a, of a comic book page. How fast do you go through the story? At what pace? Where do you slow down? Where do you speed up? Um, where is this emotional moment? Where is this action moment? All of that is very much a part of, of you know, music, very much so, yeah. And I think you, you, you find then your experience as a musician adds to your ability as a comics artist. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It's, 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 it's all there. It's, 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 the, it's the flow. It, 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 it's very, very much there. Well, um, how is it working with a writer um, as opposed to, to like writing yourself is a whole different thing. Do you, when you sit down to write yourself, are you writing a script first and then following along or are you writing as you go um, one, one panel or page or several pages together and then another several pages like Jack Kirby might have done? Or... No, I, I always work with a, an outline mm -hmm. and, um, and because I, I, the whole story is in my head there's uh other than the outline there's very little wrote down and then as uh, so i know the whole story and i i i uh so i and i have it broke down into panels and then as i'm doing it i'll realize oh, i need another panel here or actually or or i don't need that panel and this four uh this four panel page actually would make a great splash page i all the information i need mm -hmm. to tell i don't need to tell it over four panels or here's something that you know, I need nine panels to, to, to do this. And, uh, one of the uh, best teachers in, in, uh, layout was, uh, Will Eisner. Mm -hmm. And he would show the example of, uh, um, uh, like a cut in a film or, and again, also musical where you show a man with his, uh, standing in front of another, another man with his fists up. And then the next panel, the other man is laying flat on the ground or, you have you start with the the man with his fists up and then you the next panel is his one hand is going back and the next panel is going back now it's going forward and then you see other other guys start to wince because you realize the punch is coming you could make that 12 panels sure <laughs> and what that and what you've just created is a slow motion punch yeah so and you it, either have a jump cut or you have this slow motion sequence that's the control that you have over this you can have um, you can you can show uh, a shadowy figure standing in front of a car, and then the next panel you you cut to the police department talking about uh, a, 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 somebody was found dead in their car off the side of the road. You know your brain then instantly fills out fill everything that may have happened that that shadowy figure must have killed the person in the car, you know. Yeah. Or you could show the entire sequence. So right. it, it's all of these things. Now, in regards to working with another writer, I've been so blessed. Man, I've been blessed. The, uh, everybody I've been able to, to work with is so crazy fantastic. Mm -hmm. And um, so I'll get a script and almost in every case, they're full scripts, you know, broken down by panel. Um, even the, I've, there've been writers that are, I, what do you, you want to do the Marvel method? And I'm like, you know, whatever you want to do, whatever you're comfortable with. Like when, with Dan, um, with Dan slot, with Silver mm -hmm. Surfer, we, we supposedly we we're going to do the Marvel method. And he was just kind of going to generally say, this is what's going to happen. And then, uh, um, and then you decide how many panels on the page and whatnot. And so I went in expecting that. But then what what happened was every time we would do a new issue, I'd get a phone call from Dan 
and he would act out the entire issue on the phone. Oh, isn't that great? <laughs> wow. It was amazing. It was like story time. And so, and and like I, I work vampire hours. I tend to uh, work all through the night, and I okay. generally, on average, get up get up about noon. And Dan knew that, so I'd be laying in bed, phones ringing, and I look at it. It's Dan. I'm like, story time. <laughs> and, and so, hey, Dan, how's it going? And then uh, he just uh, starts telling me this is going to happen, and then this is going to happen. And he's like doing the voices for the characters and all this stuff, and. And I'm just, it's just pure pleasure just sitting there being entertained like this. And then, and then every once in a while I'll be like, oh, what if we did this instead? Or, or, oh, that I'd like to do that, but I'd like to do it like this. And so, um, so the feedback, the very little feedback that I would give him at that point, because almost everything he would throw at me was stuff that I was just completely alive with. But by the time our conversation was over, he would know where I was and then he would write a complete script. And that's generally what I would work with. And then on the actual script, you know, the eight and a half by 11 pages mm-hmm. off to the side, I'd, I would I would draw like a teeny light, little uh, thumbnail for each panel. Mm-hmm. Um, and and over time, those become uh, like shorthand for me where I, I know exactly the composition I want. And then from there, I can generally go to a full size page. Do you ever find that uh, and uh, I got two thoughts in mind well, on the one hand. Before I forget, I want to say your Silver Surfer stuff uh, with Dan Slott, to me somehow that is like the perfect Marvel vehicle for you. And and um, I'm I'm sure people have commented on. I don't read a lot of comics press, so I don't really know what people say. But um, for me, the Silver Surfer was just like, wow, this is like Mike Allred could have created this character and this whole situation and uh, by himself. And and Dan Slott seems to write perfect. He's perfectly attuned to to you and your sense of ability um and it works really well and and even down to you know uh here in book one you know um new dawn the combination of dawn and 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 uh um uh silver surfer it's just like the two of them together it's just like you know in a way it's different but in the way here we have a couple again you know it's it's yeah joe and and it's like that's so mike allred and at the same time you know, the color is just astounding and the page layouts are just incredible. The whole thing is just like, wow, this playground is just for you. is just perfect. But okay. well, that, that's an, a, a great example of a writer knowing the strengths of uh, his or her collaborator. Yeah. And um, that's largely uh, why, you know, the, the whole compa- companion element of that uh, and uh, Dan working with me, realizing that, uh, you know, love and romance is very much a, a part of what I like to play with and those relationships and and uh, um, also wanting to, I think the trick uh, or the unexpected, like in retrospect, you, I I felt I felt it was a natural fit going in. I could not have been more excited about it when when he and Tom Brevoort approached me about it. I was like, yes, can we start now? It was that <laughs> yeah, <kind of> right. <laughs> But in uh, so in retrospect, you can see it's a perfect fit. But then going in, I think there might have been some uh, like, for instance, one of the hits on uh, uh, Surfer is how dour and depressing he he can be. Oh, yeah. And so we we I think that's what I'm most proud of, how we switch that up. And the uh, Don kind of cracks him out of that. And and we, we allow him to enjoy his life. And, Absolutely. and and our story goes take, it 
it's millennia. You know, it's it's a it's a it's really I'm so proud of it. Yeah, um, and I, I think it should be. I think it it really it, it's just so I consider it a real you know, it's not like extraneous or outside of the, the body of work you've created. It doesn't sit outside. It's, it's very much a part and parcel of what you've done and what you've been doing. It's just so, you know, organically connected, you know, to mad. Well, the best, the best writers are always going to want to be aware of or tap into the strengths of, of the artists they're working with. Um, there are some writers that are like, um, who's my artist. Okay. Uh, and then just do this, do this, do this, do this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it, it doesn't quite gel, but, uh, writers like Neil Gaiman or, or, uh, Peter Milligan, uh, we sure. have a shorthand, um, uh, uh, Matt Wagner's really great about this sort of thing where, um, he'll work with different artists, uh, largely on, uh, he would do that with Grendel mm -hmm. and just really tap into, um, the artist and what, what he wants to, what he knows the artist would really excel at. Um, and, um, and, and this is where I've just re been really blessed. I, I've just enjoyed all my collaborations and I've grown from all of them and, and, um, and I would be excited to work with any of them again. You know, it's, it's, it's really fun. I, it, cause I, I can play in my playground by myself all day, any day. Um, but to then also be able to, um, you know, have, have a Paul McCartney to my John Lennon or something like that, if I just to really be a little excessive in de description there. Um, but, uh, it, it, is that I another think... hint? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to say anything. Is that another hint? <laughs> no comment. Yeah. Okay. Um, but, uh, I'm looking forward know, to that one. Like you, you can, I, I, I love everything Paul McCartney's done, what everything John Lennon has done, but them together playing off each other, you know, there's, so, so yeah, I, I, I have my favorite artists and, and writers, and I also have my favorite writer artist combinations mm -hmm, because sure. there's just something magical that happens when, when they, you know, when their chemistry is igniting something special. Well, and um, this goes back to something that I think runs through your work too. And I think that's this idea of community community seems to be a big part of like when I think about the atomics, you know, or ecstatics or whatever, but I'm thinking mostly about your own work, you know, community seems to be a very important part. Uh, and obviously when we're talking about couples, you were talking about collaboration. That seems to be a theme that's very important throughout your work. This idea that there is, there is, um, strength to be found in community. There is r resilience to be found. There's support to be found in community. There, there, there really is. And it was also a really good TV share show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. The, but no, the, it, that, but that's very true. I, um, and again, it's it's kind of the band thing. There's the solo artists, and then there's the band. Some solo artists need to be solo artists. Other people work in, in a band, and when you break up that chemistry, it, it, you you might lose something, or it, or you get something extra. It's it's it, but that's that's the beauty of art. You know, it's every it's always moving. Different combinations create different end games, and it's uh it. It, it, it's alive. It's alive and ever evolving and infinite. And, um, so there's, there's no, there are several ways to approach things, but there's no perfect way to approach something because it's always changing. It's always going to be something else. And with a community, 
um, you, you have different personalities to work off of each other. Mm-hmm. You have um, different situations that are going to come up. Um, you know, if, if I'm living on a desert island, very little is going to change in my life. Um, if I'm living on an island with a whole bunch of people, these two people might create something that will affect everybody else. You know, mm-hmm. these two people might do something. That person might do something and it changes everything. And it, and so there's, that's what the, what's unpredictable about existence in general is you never know what horrible thing or what wonderful thing is going to come along and affect everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, one door closes, one door opens and, you know, is the old saying, but you know, the, 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 one of the things that I always point to, you know, I love the Beatles too. And so one of the things that I always, uh, always amazes me about that combination of people is that who could have predicted, you know, that these four people who happen to be all from the same community, same town, living blocks from one another in different circumstances that would, they would come together and create what they created, you know, and change the world. Yeah. And change the world and and so how you couldn't predict that that and that to take one element out of that any one element out of that is to diminish the whole you know and and while all of them are wonderful in their own way great the magic happens when you bring them together in some uh, way that is completely unpredictable and uncontrived you could not contrive to do that and that's that's in a lot of ways the magic of art is exactly that you can you put okay stan lee and jack kirby in a room together and although they never work in a room together right but you put them together creatively something happens there that doesn't happen you know alone and it doesn't happen. Exactly. I love Jack Kirby stuff by himself, you know, and there's a bunch of Stan Lee stuff that I love that he did with Ditko and, and other people. But when you put those two people together, something happens there that's unlike anything either one did alone. And exactly. So how you can't predict that you can't predict how these two chemistries are going to interact and what they're going to produce. And that is kind of the magic of, uh, that's a part of the magic that even we can't, you know, people who are behind the curtain, we can't even explain, you know? Yeah. And with, with Kirby and Lee, um, they weren't kids. No. You know, they, they'd had huge, they are not huge. They had uh, long careers uh, yeah. and they were in a no lose situation. Yeah. Um, it, it, they, let's let's try this and uh where i personally think stanley got way more credit yeah creative creative side of things than he deserved totally he without his showmanship without his salesmanship yeah it never would have took off so so uh I so agree with that. I so agree with that. Uh, you know, I, I think he completely gets more credit for, I mean, look at who created more characters when, you know, the partnership ended, who, who stopped creating characters. Okay. So we, we can you know yeah. look at it that way, but I absolutely agree with you. There's there, you cannot underestimate the importance of, you know, his ability to sell his ability yeah. to sell himself and to sell the whole idea that we all fell in love with of Marvel comics. Um, yeah the bullpen we all of us who, who love comics who love that whole world that he created marvel bullpen bulletins and the whole bit you know we owe that to stan lee and that enthusiasm yeah. you know it goes a long way in connecting with the public 
you know? It was, again, it was the perception of a party that you wanted to be invited to. You wanted to be in this magical space where everybody was just kind of side by side, throwing pages at each other and exchanging ideas. And, and, uh, um, uh, of course that wasn't the reality, but he knew how to sell it. And, and, uh, is, so when I was a kid, a lot of artists that I loved at DC, I didn't know who they were, mm-hmm. but at Marvel, you know, it was Jolton Jack and, you know, yeah. smiling <laughs> Stan and, uh, yeah, was, you had their names right there in the front of the books and you knew who these people were and, and then you'd have the soapbox and you'd have, uh, the letter column and, and, uh, you know, you just, you, you knew who the receptionist was and you yeah, knew fabulous you, flow. Yeah. It, 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 it was this familial again, community again, where it was like a place you wanted to be. It was, uh, it was like being in Willy Wonka's chocolate factory, but they were making comic books and, and, um, that was brilliant. Yeah. That was just genius. So even though. Stan wrote a lot less and created a lot less than he's given credit for. He created something that nobody else could have done. He was completely invaluable and in take and He would, he recognized how, how, what, like, that's cool. Yeah. Like you, what the, the most famous example is when, um, you know, he, he, he and Jack come up with an outline on fantastic four. And by all accounts, Kirby wrote most of fantastic four. But mm-hmm. by Stan Lee's account, Stan Lee wrote all of Fantastic Four. <laughs> but there was this one account uh, where Stan wasn't uh, uh, he completely. <laughs> it was it was Silver Surfer. Stan, uh, Jack comes back with these pages, and it's not exactly the outline that they had agreed on. And um, Stan's reaction was, "Who's this white dude on a surfboard?" You know, or, I'm paraphrasing. <laughs> but so, like right there. Uh, it was acknowledged that he did not create the silver surfer. Right. And, um, but then years later he would say he did create the silver surfer. And then of course he, and then John Buscema then turned him into the, you know, this Shakespeare character. Yeah. Um, yeah. but, uh, so in that sense, he did create the, that aspect of the silver surfer, but it was Jack thinking, well, if this, this, uh, Galactus, he needs, he's going to need a herald. Yeah. You know, and that, and so it all came from that. But I, and, and the only reason I'm even, if there's even a tiny negative aspect to, to what I'm saying about Stanley here, it's only because the whole world knows who he is. Yeah. And it would be nice if the whole world also knew who Jack Kirby was and Steve Ditko was and John Romita was and John Buscema was and on yeah. and on and on and on. So yeah. awesome. I love Stanley. The world would be a far less wonderful place without him and everything that that he did but uh as great as he was at promoting things it would have been nice if he was a little more generous you know i i i agree with you and it's interesting when he passed i was i among the things that i do i teach a history of comics class and I, the when he died i was teaching that class and so we had a class where i did an intro about him and i talked about this because um kirby is one of my heroes and i did the the cover for charles hatfield's um uh, book hand of fire i don't know if you know that book or not but anyway I'll look it up now yeah. Anyway, um, that that's a uh, it, it was a tribute to to Jack and and Charles's book is just brilliant about Kirby's 
Kirby's body of work. It, it was a real honor to be involved with that. But anyway, um, even on a small level. But I was talking about, so I'm a Kirby guy. And I'm a big believer in everything that you've just said about Jack Kirby. But when he died, you know, the, the, you, you had to stand up. I felt like I had to stand up and say, look, I disagree with his his version of events and a lot as as do a lot of people in this camp and i think the evidence shows quite clearly you know that he exaggerated his contributions in that regard but let's also honor the contribution that he did make and the contribution he did make was enormous it was huge i mean let's think about the fourth world for a minute under carmine infantino the fourth world didn't succeed man no um commercial commercially you know aesthetically is one thing commercially is another thing but understand it's a blip in history Uh, yeah yeah, it's it it could yeah i totally agree it was totally rediscovered later you know by by people like yourself and others who who said look back at the stuff it's great you know and and it kept it alive and kept it going and of course dc's all built its universe on it now but 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 it's also it's it's heavily flawed yeah it's it's far from perfect Sure. And so even as an editor, uh, it, it, it missed what uh, Stan contributed. And sure. with uh, um, all you have to do, if you really want to make a, a study of how they contributed to each other and to everything else, look at what they did before they worked together, what yeah. they did after they worked together or what little they did after they worked together. It all it's it all becomes very clear that. Um, it, it in that prime productive period stan was very involved in in uh what was happening and he was really great at moving the chess pieces around yeah. and then showing everybody hey look at this chess game that's happening here look yeah. at this player look at that player this you everybody you got to see this we're doing something really special here and yeah. that was his that was his genius being being able to take talent and move them to where they were going to do their best work and it yeah. and it, it 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 was it was a moment of is just a very special moment and special enough and powerful enough that marvel has grown into what it is to this day yeah. and then with the success of the cinematic uh universe mm-hmm. wow i mean look look at who contributed that and now we're going to get the eternals man that's that's all yeah. jack kirby oh yeah absolutely i'm looking forward to that that's and I, i'm not a big fan of superhero movies but uh, i'm looking forward to seeing what they do with the eternals that'll be really quite interesting oh i love it man i i've i've the the, the marvel movies have just uh-huh. been just so great for me i just i've loved them so much yeah yeah well a number of them i've enjoyed i like guardians of the galaxy a lot i love oh, that. that's my that's my favorite that, yeah, that's think, my favorite. But when you look at, again, if you just look at Star Wars over 40 years yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and how, to me, people always say Empire, that's the best of the bunch. For me, it's the original. Yeah. It, where everything that set the standards, this lived-in universe, this this very pure story that just clicks and works mm-hmm. and, you, you know, you've never seen anything like it. Mm-hmm. Which And Empire then, of course, builds on that. But then... With every movie, there are, people have so many things to be critical of, so many things to complain about. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that the next most perfect thing that's happened uh, would be the Mandalorian series, which I just think is masterful. Yeah. But having said all that, uh, over all these years, there's that. Now, within a 10-year period, th- 
they made way more movies than than Star Wars ever did. Oh yeah. And they're they, almost every one of them is a home run. There's like two or three that are like, yeah. Yeah. But other than that, it's just wow, they did it again. Wow, they did it again. Wow, they did it. With from casting through the the directors and writers that they bring on. Again, we were just talking about community. Yeah. With the Rus- the Russo brothers. Wh- who would think let's take these guys who did this TV show and let's let's hand all let's hand the Avengers <laughs> over to them. You know, yeah. it's just amazing, and their instincts have been correct every step of the way, and they've just built this. Because you know what, I was actually working with George Wong uh, on a Madman screenplay, and I was right. living at his house in uh, Manhattan Beach. Um, and um, you from Manhattan Beach, you can take the bike path, you know, up to like Santa Monica, and and we'd be going by, and he'd, and and he he would say over there. Uh, they're making an Iron Man movie. And I remember thinking, yeah, that's going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> because, I mean, look at how much, how many garbage superhero movies there have been. And you're telling me that they're going to, they're going to make a good Iron Man movie. Yeah, but, I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't conceive of there being a good Iron Man movie. Yeah. You know, that was were, a hard one. Yeah. Yeah. But they did it. They did it. it yeah. Robert Downey. They did it. And, and then to build off that and to make all the connections and, and all those nifty little, things that the 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 credit sequences that connected to the next movies and other movies that's just so fun and that's what the comic books did yeah, that, yeah that's right. that was the soapbox that was the interconnectivity of all the different series so for all those reasons i'm just crazy nuts for for what marvel has done with the movies and the tv series yeah and so i'm getting a vibe though that you're not quite as crazy about dc and what they've done no, I mean, who who is? I, I mean, it's uh, it, um, there's a lot to love. And again, you're talking to Mr. Optimist here. Um, <laughs> and and I I've everyone that I've gone to the movie theaters with, with a couple exceptions, I've uh, really enjoyed myself. And then afterwards, that's where the criticism seeps in and the missed opportunities seep in. Mm-hmm. and uh the confusion like why did they do that that kind of stuff <laughs> um so yeah uh I, they've yet to figure it out but they will you know they will uh it, well, it'll... you know yeah for me i i, I again i'm i'm going to sound my age but i always hark one thing my wife and i sit down to to dinner uh every evening and one of the things i put on while if we're going to watch something while we're eating is uh george reeves is superman and i know it's ridiculous but i love that tv show and oh I'll absolutely watch- i was i just uh read a list of the uh the best from best to worst dc uh movies oh, yeah. and superman and the moleman was like number 10 or it was like <laughs> way up on the list like it was way up on the list that's amazing I, yeah but, but you know it's there's something about it that, and, and the low tech quality of it the, the b movie serial quality that i just absolutely love i love the black and white ones particularly but you know all of it together there's something about superman in those reeves has this patriarchal quality that i really love in that in that yeah show. i i i love christopher reeve too and Me I, too. I was yeah. i actually really liked uh brown brandon ruth's uh Oh yeah, um, Superman and Clark Kent. I thought he was great. Uh, at the, with the um, now, obviously, I'm huge into Batman, and you, it's no secret that I love the Batman TV series, and mm-hmm. um, it was one of the great accomplishments of my life to be Adam West's cover artist. That was oh, I still man. can't believe that that happened. And a perfect, another perfect matchup. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, it's so, so thrilling. Um, 
but that when I was a kid, that Batman TV series was deadly serious to me. Mm-hmm. I I didn't see it as being goofy. I I saw it as being the real deal, you know. And um, that was its genius. How us kids would would just be so serious about it, and our parents would just be laughing their heads off, you know. And it was just because it was just this goofy thing. But that's I think Marvel is able to kind of tap into that goofy joy without taking away the seriousness of 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 it so there there so that sense of joy that color that that energy that's in the marvel films and i and i think i think dc overreacted the other way and i i think where they did was with uh um the george clooney batman movie batman and robin Mm -hmm. because in my opinion they got the perfect bruce wayne george Clooney was perfect i you know i love michael keaton um, but George Clooney, that was it. If they had just found that right balance, but instead they pushed way hard into the camp yeah. and the goofiness of it. And, um, and so then you get, uh, Batman begins in the dark Knight, which is wonderful. Yeah. Probably. And, and on that list I was just reading was listed as the number one DC dark Knight yeah. movie. Um, and so then of course, Oh, that's what we need to do. You know, we need to just get really dark and grim and and uh, just get into the muck. And so it's the is, is the series of overreactions instead of uh, like what they did right was getting somebody like Tim Burton out of the box. Yes. Yeah. Like that first Batman movie. Uh, yeah. You know, you look back on it now and you can see, well, why doesn't his head move? You know, <laughs> why is why can't he move his neck? You know? Right. Um, <laughs> And uh, so you can be hypercritical in retrospect, but at the time, the look, the feel, the vibe of it was just—you'd never seen anything like it. No. And they they got the perfect guy to do it, and then Batman Returns I like even more, and I, I Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman, meow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, by the way, Adam West introduced me to Julie Newmar. I just want to oh. put that in there. That oh, uh, one of the great okay. moments of my life. I was going to say Adam West. Introduce me to Julie Newmore. Julie Newmore. Did you, did you, were you quivering inside? I mean, oh man, she was my first crush, man. Oh, same here. I mean, not my first crush, but uh, among the first. Crushes. Yeah, among the first. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but and yeah, you're uh, ruined for life because there's this woman, in a, this evil woman in a cat suit who you've fallen in love with. You know? <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh my gosh. Who sewed that thing? They, yeah. they, they deserve some kind of award. Yeah, really. But um, yeah, it's, I th- that's actually. The- Oh, Mike, I'm sorry to interrupt, but she did. She made that costume. No, I, I believe really? that's the truth. Yes, Julie Newmar. I believe Julie Newmar made that costume. Wow. I, wrong, but I've, I think I read that someplace, and I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure it's accurate. But I, it, yeah, I think she made that costume. So anyway, sorry to interrupt, but go ahead. Oh no, I'm, I, it, it, it's a, I, I'm the point I'm just trying to make is uh, finding that balance, finding that chemistry. The 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 advantage Marvel has is how they came in, you know, well into the history of comic books. Stan hit a gold mine. He hit that vein, figured out this uh, uh, the way to promote the books, how to tie them all together in a very cohesive way, and the movies took from that. Uh, DC, for, their history has been far more sporadic. Of course, they 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 were the first with Superman. And then so many different uh, different ways of doing things. Then the crisis, the confusion in continuities, um, 
and the different tones throughout, and then the huge successes of Dark Knight and Watchmen. And so then you start making movies. You have the success with the Christopher Lee Superman movies, which then killed themselves because mm-hmm. they got ridiculously silly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so then how do you do this? The, the, you get Linda Carter, who's stunning as Wonder Woman. But there again, you're, you got these goofy yeah. uh, stories and productions that don't hold up very well. Um, and by the way, Wonder Woman is my favorite DC uh, of the DC films, oh, the more okay. recent ones. Oh, the more um, recent ones. But, um, but not the second one. And here again, it's like it, it, there's kind of uh, pick a lane. Yeah. Uh, there, you need to kind of figure out um, where you're going with this. Like uh, Aquaman had a lot to love. Um, so I feel like I feel like they're figuring it out. They're, fig- they're figuring out this works. This doesn't work. And now how can we like make them all be part of the same universe or multiverses, but knowingly so. Like mm-hmm. you can make a movie like Shazam, which is very entertaining, mm-hmm. but not for a second would you expect to see um, you know, Ben Affleck in a Batman suit show up. It, right. Uh, it's uh it's outside uh, the universe. And then you got the two flashes, the TV flash and the movie flash incredibly different characters mm-hmm. so it, it it they're uh but then with the marvel tv shows they look they look and feel like the movies yeah so there there needs to be uh, they need a kevin, kevin feige or they need somebody to to just kind of know uh like the way stan lee did know where to move the talent who do we get to write this who do we get to draw this mm-hmm. who do we get to direct this who do we get to star in this and um, and and work from there. And I I think they're figuring it out. So I, I I'm looking forward to. Uh, uh, in fact, Suicide Squad. Um, mm-hmm. Right there, James Gunn. He's one of my favorite filmmakers. We just both said we love the Guardians movie. Uh, movies. I love them both. Yeah. Uh, man, yeah I, I look forward to Guardians of the Galaxy three. I think I I know it's going to be great because James is tapped in. He I think he and. Uh, as much as anybody, just uh, almost as much as John Favreau was uh, crucial in creating the feel of what works with the Marvel films. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I think everybody's figuring it out. And I think we're going to, I think our future is very bright as far as looking forward to, uh, you know, entertainment with comic book films. Hey, folks, it's time to take a break, stretch your legs, go for a walk. Get yourself something to drink, a little nosh, if you will. Come back when you're ready. In the meantime, here's some information about my latest project. What if movies weren't just flickers of light on a screen, but windows into real worlds in alternate dimensions? What if one day you found yourself transported to the land of Oz and the Wicked Witch of the West was chasing after you? In green screen, a Hollywood sex symbol wakes up one morning to find she's in an alternate reality called the Cineverse, where she's no longer a movie star, and every movie ever made is a real world. She travels from one world to another, wrestling with movie monsters and evil empires, struggling to find her way back to a world where movies were just movies, and a green screen only a blank surface. Green Screen is a sci-fi fantasy comedy comic book, 32 pages in full color. Subscribe on Webtoons Canvas. Be sure to follow at Green Screen Comic on Instagram. 
Madman movie has been out there, you know, <laughs> idea for a zillion years, and that's not there anymore. I guess you you've got the rights back. Is that correct? And you're not going to do anything with it. Um, I I'm totally open to doing something with it, but I I need I need a Robert Rodriguez. I need yeah. um that like we we worked together on it for about time. 14 years. Yeah. Um and. I don't regret a single day and it was a 100% fantastic experience, but ultimately what we decided was it doesn't fit into a two hour box Yeah, and you can't make a feature film and hope that there'll be a sequel that will tell the rest of the story. So, and then around the time that we agreed with that, um, and he's always busy with a zillion things mm-hmm. uh, around that time. That's when all the different streamers started uh, becoming successful mm-hmm. and you started seeing uh, cinema quality and television programs. Yeah, sure. Um, and where before, if, if anybody suggested Mad Men as a TV series, I'd be like, please no. Cause you know, I don't <laughs> want commercials. I, yeah, I don't yeah. want the, I don't want any of that. Uh, I didn't, I didn't want any of what was perceived as a TV show. Um, and for me, it, it's something that I'm way too protective of, but with Robert, it felt like if this is, if this is going to happen the way I'll be happy with it, this is it. Mm-hmm. And, and ultimately it was, I, I just felt, um, I, I felt like I was taking advantage of him and he's such a loyal, good person that he just kept reoptioning it. And, uh, um, even though he was working on other things and um so i anyway it, it, i i just I, I there's still a part of me that thinks maybe the planets will line up and Robert will come back and say i know how to do this let's do it like and i i would i would be there 100 percent. and in the meantime um let's say james gunn calls me up and says i want to make a madman tv show or yeah. or or i or hey i know how to make a feature out of this you know, um, or John Favreau gives me a call or Taika Waititi gives me a call, you know, it's like, um, so I'm not, I'm not shut down from it. Even a, like a filmmaker who just has one feature at Sundance and shows it to me. And it's like, explains to me how it would work, you know? So I'm not, I, I'm not opposed to it, but it's not a priority because I've, I've created this Shangri-La here. And, and I'm just perfectly happy to spill all of my time and creativity into what's in front of me and what I have control over. And when any, any time that was spent going to Hollywood or Austin or what have you was always fun, but it was at the sacrifice of being productive with, um, what I do have complete control over. Right. So, so now that I have all the rights back. Um, it, it, I, I just feel like, uh, I know where my priorities are mm-hmm. and I would rather there never be a madman movie or TV series than a really crummy one. Yeah. And, um, so I'm hope hopeful that someday something really cool will happen and that we'll get the perfect cast and the perfect production team and the perfect support from a studio and, and we'll we'll just do something really really special. I really hope that 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 happens. But um, 
it's nothing I'm putting any time or energy into right now. I'm, I just don't feel like pitching stuff. I, at this point, I think it's established enough. And now Dark Horse is releasing this Mad Maniverse library where everything yeah. is coming out in these big, beautiful collections, including the crossovers. It'll be the first time that uh, Superman Madman is in a in a uh, omnibus, um, you know, hardcover book. And Fabulous. Um, so a- anybody that's really interested in it and approaches me, I I would hope would have some idea of how they would want to collaborate with me as opposed to me going down there like I did in the nineties and trying to explain to them what it is and how it, how it should be done. Mm -hmm. That's just too frustrating. And the man, if you just heard what was thrown back at me where, well, what if he does this? And what if, what if he's working in a diner? And (laughs) it was like, you're not listening to me. You know, it's all here on the page. Yeah. And and now you we just need to figure out how to work it so that it works uh, in cinema, and um and it's all a matter of performance and sound and music and cinematography and and that's how we make the chemistry works. You, 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 we're not talking about reinventing it. You know, it's all right here. I, I and if you don't see the potential of it here, um I won't waste any more of your time. You know, I really appreciate your your devotion to the integrity of what you've created. I think it's really important. And I think that's one of the things that might be missing sometimes, you know, from properties that move on from one medium to another medium. And, uh, and in this case, I'm happy just, you know, n- I, I agree with you. I'd rather not see it screwed up than, than um, just see it up there for no other reason than to be up there. And, I, you know, I'm thinking about it. I just talked to um, Jay Stevens a little while ago, and, of course, he he went through his own, you know, um, issues with his work. Being yeah, turned- love him, by the way. I yeah, love Jay's him. great. Jay's a great guy, and uh, his work is great. And and uh, he's got a wonderful new book out called Dwellings, which I yep, can. I'm recommend. a supporter. Yeah, me too. And uh, anyway, his stuff, uh, he had his own troubles with animation and, you know, working on stuff and the frustrations of, you know, working with a medium and a property that you love and have devoted yourself to and then you know say something like the secret saturdays seeing something you devoted all this part of your life to and then it's just sort of dismissed because of you know problems within the corporation itself changing of hands etc it's a roller coaster ride and i yeah you know there's better things you could be doing with your time yeah and uh making comics is obviously what is great for Mike Allred and fans of Mike Allred's work uh, is great to see him making comics. And, uh, you yeah, know, I, don't they say uh, the secret to happiness is being able to make a living at something that you love? Yeah. And um, and that's the blessing. Uh, um, so but it, comics are not generally speaking, are not lucrative. And so it'd be really nice to have, uh, you know, feature films and TV shows and, and, and whatnot and, and all the merchandise. I mean, at least secret Saturdays had a really cool toy line, (laughs) but, um, but that's, that's kind of the thing. It's like, uh, you're, you're giving up control over, uh, something that you may have a smaller audience and with the comic book medium. But it's it's pretty much exactly what you want it to be, yeah. And um, you that control is so precious. And but then on the other hand, again, the optimist, 
so many great things are happening and um the productions are like i haven't seen it yet but i just saw the trailer for uh, uh sweet tooth oh. and it looks really cool and so i'm uh oh i I'm, saw I'm, that too yes it does i'm look excited cool. to see it. Yeah, jeff lemire uh vertigo comic and yeah. um and uh will forte uh is like the father or something but uh, uh anyway it, it was just the whole trailer the kid looked fantastic the effects looked good and who again who'd think hey this would be a great tv series well somebody did mm-hmm. and and uh and i'm really excited about seeing it but just based on the trailer and of course I and mean, we could talk about the success of the walking dead where oh, yeah. the actual uh creator of the uh, the comic book has so much control over it yeah I mean, that, that's something to celebrate and there's other examples too. Uh, so, and that's happened. It's becoming less and less rare for that kind of stuff to break out. Um, uh, uh, I'm there, there's a lot, I mean, I, I could go on and on about, uh, there's a lot of good quality stuff that I've seen and the original creators have a, a big hand in it and that's very gratifying. Yeah, there's a lot of potential there. I mean, there really is. And, and I think when when uh, the when the corporations making putting out the money um, realize the talent that's gone into making the books, the original material, and realize what they have there, and and I think respect the material. When you have people who are really into it, really, and uh, you're going to have something exciting happen. Um, and the storyboards already exist. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> and and they aren't good. You want to know what it would look like? It's right here. It's right there. Well, you know, uh, uh, who was it? Keith Knight who said, um, who whose uh, Woke series is on Hulu. Um, Keith Knight, w- w- his pitch to Hulu was he walked in with fi- his compendium, 500-page book, and hmm. he said, you guys want to see what the show is? Here it is. And he just threw it on he said there are years there's years of material here and they were like hey wow he's right we don't have to do anything <laughs> this yeah. is great and uh you know so i mean the stuff is there but i, I know you probably have to go and uh, and um i have a couple of questions i want to ask you before you do and one of them has to do with with working with laura and and the idea that you're you're very much a control guy and you're you're in control, and you've talked about control now, you know, for for in this discussion about movies and stuff, and and I get that vibe. You know, you care very very much about what's going into your work, and and that it be representative of you, and that it's the highest quality it can be. So when you're working with Laura now, is Laura coming at it as a creative person who is putting? her stuff into it her own ideas into the coloring like you showed i think there's a, a an image you know in uh, the back of one of the atomic books um madman atomic books where you show here's my pencil here's what laura did to it and it's amazing you know how collaborative is that process and you know w- what kind of discussions go into that process um, it's, it's become very natural at this point early on. I, uh, again, I can, I can be a bit of a control freak and be, I want it to be like this one, be like this one, be like this. And, and then she would come back, well, what about this? And, um, wouldn't it look better with this combination and that sort of thing. And over the years, it's just, uh, I've let, let go. And, mm-hmm. um, and every once in a while I'll be like, well, I really wanted that to be red, you know? Um, but that's so rare. And, and then if she disagrees with me, she'll, she'll argue and say, no, because that, that'll, 
that will conflict with this and 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 this will and she'll give me the whole color theory and all that stuff and uh so it, it's really me just kind of uh putting it in this little magical box and then i come back and open it and <laughs> it, it exists you know it's a uh, it's something that i don't have to sweat out it, it it's it's a it's like uh you trust you, you can trust what she's doing yeah it's she's it's reading what dessert you yeah yeah i mean i mean i get that you know there's a point in a, a marriage right where you know i've been married a long time you've been married a long time there's a point at which you know you don't really need there are a lot of times you don't need to talk you know what's gonna be you know how somebody's going to relate you there's a symbiosis that happens in a sense and in this sense like a creative symbiosis between the two of you where you you have absolute trust in what she's doing and yeah and over over the years she like i i, I would show her um like uh well look at this see how uh uh daniel torres uh colored this or how eve shalon colored this or mobius col colored this or yeah. dan klaus colored this um you know I, so if something stood out at me like oh look what uh, look what brenda mccarthy did with colors here mm. and she takes that stuff she absorbs it um alex ross is one of our uh, oldest friends in the biz mm -hmm. and uh so like uh here we can get this kind of painterly technique in here if we do do this mm -hmm. and um look at that texture can we incorporate that somehow and she's like yeah I'll, I'll scan it and give it back to you 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 do that with uh you know some graphite and and uh, a gray wash and i'll turn it i'll load it uh and turn it into a color and it, it will retain that organic paint stroke mm -hmm. um but i'll choose what the color is and we're like, oh yeah let's do that so there, there are there have been these moments over the years where we do these, uh, um, where, where we take steps, and the, our our process is completely unique, and it and it only works because we live under the same roof, and mm -hmm. we can talk about these things and work through these the, this process, but it has gotten to the point where now um, I I just never not only do I never have to worry about it, but it's always this wonderful surprise when i get these color pages back and and it it's just one of the big treats so she is a really amazing colorist i i have to i i do have to say you know there there is that she you know the work that she's i've always appreciated the work that she's brought to your work um you know it's it's like this perfect support for what you're doing and and that one of the attractions of mike allred's work has always been this poppiness and and you know the the wonderful um you know there's a pizzazz that goes with pop right this this wonderful electric quality and that electricity was always there and i think that electricity is is the relationship of your line your storytelling you know your compositions with the color which seems is it fits so seamlessly with what you're doing it's always a perfect match it's never it ne has never felt out of sync with what you're doing which you know i've seen happen you know and yeah you know you can find coloring that just doesn't seem to work with this particular artist style or something it's never happened with your stuff it's like right from the beginning you guys were you know working in a way i think that was just you know perfect for each other really and uh made for a great looking book always always is made for a great looking book and uh, good thank you
Yeah, you know, she she is she an art is Laura an artist in her own right? Does she do painting or, or something on her own, or did she go to art school? What very that- much? Yeah, she took art classes in college and and uh, uh, did paintings. Uh, uh, but when the kids came, mm-hmm. that became less and less, and mm-hmm. so she spills almost all of her. Uh, creative energies into uh, coloring comics. Okay. She works with Joelle Jones a lot, and and she's colored stuff for people like Jaime Hernandez, and right. um, and so here and there, uh, and she colored a Jay Stevens story, uh, oh. I Zombie. Oh yeah, that he d- that he did. But yeah, it, 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 that that I, I should a- ask her if if she misses doing her you know, own stuff. I. I, maybe I shouldn't though, in case I open a can of worms. But <laughs> no, don't, 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 no, don't ask me. <laughs> well, there, there is, you know, I mean, I don't want to say anything. You know, I was talking to Joe Staten not long ago, and Joe Staten's doing Dick Tracy now, and it's a, a high-pressure gig. But um, I felt like, you know, he was saying he's looking. It's been 50 years in the business, and he's thinking about retiring. So, you know, I mean, and I'm 61. I know I'm a couple years older than you, and a couple years older than Laura. But you know, there is that point where what's retirement supposed to be? You know, retirement. You get to a point. Is there ever going to be a place where the all reds retire? And, and absolutely want- no, no. Why? Uh, no. I'm in fact. Uh, again, when I um, I when I worked at um, the Air Force Academy. And I worked in uh, I taught television production, and then from there became a TV reporter. And I was a TV reporter in Europe. And the last right. uh, story I covered was the fall of the Berlin Wall. Correct. And then uh, January 1990 was when uh, I was doing well enough with this project that Steve Siegel set up that I was started doing comics full time and have mm-hmm. done comics full time since. But prior to that, I, I mention all that because all of the comic stuff I did was in my spare time, and there was never enough spare time. So it's, it is definitely what I would be doing no if matter. I wasn't get pay, paid for it. Yeah. So why would I stop doing it? Yeah. It, it just, that's, that thought is completely alien to me. Now I could see, uh, doing more stuff with the family, going to Disneyland more often, you know, <laughs> um, but just stopping entirely. I can't imagine that it, it would, it would have to be a physical restriction to to where i couldn't do it anymore yeah or or if my eyes failed or something i i just can't i can't think why in the world would i ever stop that's that it's it's who i am yeah and that's and good so to know. yeah i mean so retirement if you were to say hey you know let's slow down a bit and do some other things in our life as long as i always had that outlet and I, it would be nice to not have the pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of happened this last year where everything kind of stalled. I, I was working on projects, but they didn't have a release date. Mm-hmm. And so I was still getting paid for them. But the pressure to get them done here, 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 and here, that disappeared. And it was like, oh, this is, this is what retirement would feel like because <laughs> I'm still doing it. Yeah, but there's not as some of the pressure has just kind of gone away. So I might go away for a while and and finish a book and then release it release it complete. The, uh, so that kind of aspect of retirement, but mm-hmm. to completely stop working entirely, I can't. In fact, calling it work is always weird. Yeah, like it, it's not work, it's play. I get to play for a living. 
So, um, but to completely stop creating, that will never happen. Only, well, only forced. Only if it's it, forced on me. I couldn't imagine. That, yeah, I couldn't imagine you would. But something that you were just describing—the idea of maybe doing personal projects that were, you know, without deadline. You know, that were simply your own, and that you'd get out there however you got them out there. But maybe you're not doing it necessarily because you need to you know make a living at it any longer maybe you just need to make art and uh you know one of the things that i was wondering about too you you mentioned journalism and you spent a couple of years being a journalist which is weird you know most of us go to art school you know I mean, most of us who end up in the arts have gone to art school but you went into the air force now, did you enlist in the air force or you were just brought in like as an accessory to the air force working in journalism and in the film area no, I was actually um, in in college. I was an art major, mm-hmm. and then I uh, became terrified of how am I going to make a living at this because I didn't see how I was going to make a living at it. But uh, my oldest friend, the kid who lived across the street growing up, his dad owned a couple radio stations in Roseburg, Oregon, mm-hmm. and over the summer between semesters, um, I got a job working at the radio station and started doing some DJ work. And I did night rock from midnight to 6 a.m. And you must have loved that. It was great because especially with that shift, because I could play whatever I wanted. And I did. And (laughs) um, although I I don't want to veer off somewhere else, but I did play something once and the station manager heard and and it got a black sticker put on it, which meant you could never play it. (laughs) But um, anyway, so I was doing that. And then uh, going back to school, I decided, well, I'm going to shift my major to broadcasting. And then from there, uh, got a job full time as uh, as a DJ. And then um, so then I thought, okay, here's my career. I'm I'm just going to go from station to station and you know which is kind of the life you you look for the next better paying job at the format you want and that sort of thing and then laura got pregnant and all of a sudden i was like wow do i am i making enough money to raise a family and an air force recruiter would come in to um give us radio spots you know Mm-hmm. And so I'd have these conversations with him and he gave me the whole spiel, you free babies, free healthcare. Uh, they pay for your housing. They, you get to see the world, et cetera, et cetera. And I was like, okay, let's look into this. And, um, and so I, I d- took these tests and I scored it high enough and had, because typically what happened is if you were to enlist, um, they would then train you. And then they would place you somewhere. In this case, I was able to get placed at the Air Force Academy, and so I was I was uh, um, I was th- we were the only enlisted people, technically enlisted, that were actually on the um, faculty. Wow! So uh, the entire faculty at the Air Force Academy it would be um, officers, uh-huh. and so um, we taught. They had their own TV station there. We taught them how to do everything from audio to uh, location work where they would, uh, how to work a camera, lights, um, everything, bringing it back, editing it, and and then putting together a news show with anchors and uh, studio cameras, the whole run. 
So Incredible. every aspect of television production, they were taught. And the people that would take these courses would be public affairs officers. Mm-hmm. So they would be the people that would be sent out uh, in the, uh, in fact, the best example is one I was involved with. Um, when I was sent to uh, Europe, I replaced a guy that was killed in a disaster where it was an air show and two Italian jets collided midair and one of them went into the crowd. Um. And this is when... Uh, home uh, video was becoming more po- popular. So we had dozens of angles of people who were in the crowd filming this with their with their video cameras. And so one of th- th- that this particular station, um, I replaced the guy that was killed in this in this tragedy. Oh, and then so my first story there was uh, um, b- building a feature on a helicopter rescue worker. And then we were also tasked with gathering all the footage um, for uh, news outlets around the world. And then the public affairs officers would be the ones that they would talk to about this horrible event. So when you see a military person talking on the news, that's a public affairs officer, most likely. Mm-hmm. Um, or if it, or if you see, um, if it's not the police captain or something, they a lot of... Uh, you know, law enforcement will have public affairs officers. So that 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 way, when they come out of the academy and they're put in front of a TV camera, they have experience. They know they know the entire process. They know that the person they know how to do the job that's uh, got a camera on them. The person that's mic'd them, the person that is the producer uh, who, who's going to be in charge of putting the story together. Mm-hmm. And the on-air talent who, who's going to edit it, and so they're already um, keen on how they should report these events because they know if they say it a certain way, they'll be able to to be taken out of context. So mm-hmm. they have to make sure they say things in a way that they can't be edited and change the context. That's the kind of stuff that that we would teach them. Man, um, so in the in the process, did you have a rank? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I did. <laughs> and that w- I got to tell you, that was very frustrating because when I went in, I didn't know there was a difference between enlisted and officers. And it, and so my, my boss in the, t- at the TV station was a chief master sergeant and a second Lieutenant who's been, and so he, here's a, tw- a guy that's been in for 20 years. And then a second Lieutenant who's been in for a few months because he got us certain degree or something oh my can God. come in and tell our boss what to do. <laughs> oh man. That is- that, I never knew that I was completely ignorant with, with how that worked and it just made no sense. Yeah. And then you could be, if you were on base and you're walking across a parking lot, depending on what somebody has on their shoulder, they can tell you what to do. A total stranger can tell you that your gig line is off or you need a haircut. And that, that would happen. Oh man. Yeah. So, uh, it, it, it was not fun. Um, so every time we were out, um, covering a story, that's where we were in control. Mm -hmm. But whenever we had to interact with other, if if we had to interact in a military situation, which fortunately for us was rare, um, like, uh, yeah, that, that, uh, I, 
I'm having flashbacks. <laughs> I'm sorry. Sorry to put you there, man. I'm curling sorry, up sorry. in the fetal position right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry to do that to you. You need to go. No, I mean, that, I, I met the best people in the world and I met some of the worst people in the world. Let's just say that, uh, and, you know, like every aspect of life and every profession, yeah. you get all, all, all types. But the, the people who taught me a, a work ethic and mutual respect, uh, those, those lessons will always be cherished by me. Have you ever thought about taking that journalistic experience and putting it into comics form? Like, I mean, in a sense, you do that in Bowie. Um, there's a certain, you know, there's a level of research that's involved in doing. Oh, absolutely. It. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Re- research. I on on Instagram or somewhere, I posted a, a a picture of the stack of books that I went through. Wow. And it was almost as tall as me. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot of reading, but it was pleasurable reading too, right? Because you're reading. Yeah, and of course, I, also in this day and age, the 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 treasure trove just online. Yeah. You know, um, videos on YouTube that were only recently discovered, like alternate, unaired ver- performances. Uh, it, it's amazing what's just kind of like some cameraman kept a Gene Genie performance that had never even aired. Right. And all of a sudden it, it's on YouTube that no, something nobody had ever seen before. Yeah. It, it, it's amazing how this stuff just pops up. Yeah. And, and you can spend your lifetime, you know, just going through. I mean, oh, yeah. Stuff that comes up on YouTube, you know, in regard to pop acts that I like or love uh, from the past, you know, I could, I just don't have the time to go through all of it because there's so much interesting stuff, you know? For uh, sure. I mean, I, Laura will have to come in and grab me by the collar. Brian's going to grab me by the collar now. <laughs> yeah. Got to be about but, time to go. But yeah, I get, I get, I get passionate about this stuff and, and, uh, I could go for hours, um, you know, well, researching got, stuff or talking about stuff or doing it. It, it, it I'm so grateful that well, I may, get to do what I get to do. Maybe, uh, you know, uh, if I'm a little forward here, maybe sometime again in the future, we could, we could sit down and continue this conversation. I'd, I'd really enjoy that. Sure. Yeah. In fact, yeah. so many of the things that are on my table now, I'm not even allowed to talk about and they're huge. Um, most of my projects overlap. And when we were talking about retiring, mm-hmm. what happens is uh, things overlap. So while I'm doing, for instance, one of the few things I can talk about is the next, uh, our, our ecstatic spinoff, The Excellent, which Peter and I are doing. Mm-hmm. And I've got this massive head start on because of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so it's a, uh, anyway, um, but while I'm doing that, then of course I get an offer for something else. And something else and so based on my schedule and whether they can wait for me or not will determine whether i get to do this next project or not mm-hmm. so what that means is while i'm working on something i'm alive with i'm also very excited about the next thing that i'm going to be starting work on yeah, yeah. and so th- it, it just keeps going so there's why would i retire when there's always something i'm looking forward to doing yeah. so maybe if maybe if it all dried up and and uh and i and i didn't have anything in my own inkwell anymore um, maybe so that I could see that as a slowing down point, but in general, um, there's always something to be excited about and it just keeps, uh, just keeps going and going and, and the, the passions just, uh, build on themselves. Yeah. It's and it's, it's great. And then, and I like, but we said, could do a, we could definitely do a part two oh, I'd love when, to. when, when this stuff comes out, we can, we can, I, I can then talk about it. Okay. You know, like yeah. this is the stuff that I wasn't able to talk to you about now. Now we can talk about it. 
that would be fabulous. And maybe, uh, you know, Brian can put us together again. Sure. Um, Before we go, um, I I do one last question or maybe two last questions. Um, You're talking to a fellow Mata Hoople fan. Oh, yeah. Big into Mata (laughs) before I was into. uh, And um, so I have to ask you what your favorite Mata Hoople album is. Ooh. Ooh, <laughs> and and question is pre dudes or after dudes? I I you know actually I would probably say Mott, um the the one that came after all the young dudes um uh, the, there that seems to be the one that I go back to more often than not. Me too. Um, it's and, an album. Yeah, I I really start to finish. I really love it. Uh, like Whiz Kids is so cool. Uh, no, it, it that yeah, I yeah I love that. Yeah, that I'll 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 say I'll say Mott is my okay. is my favorite album. Love them all. Yeah. But that would probably be at the top of the stack. Well, well, I'm sure you got to go. Uh, you you know, uh, it sounded like Brian and Laura were tugging away, and you've got noodles to eat. So that's right. <laughs> again, this has been a pleasure. It's been a real yeah. Pleasure. And, it was uh, fun. It's been a lot of fun, and uh, I just thank you so much for doing the show. I, and I'd love to have you on again when your new stuff comes out, and we can talk about it. Thanks to Brian for putting this together, and for Laura for waiting uh, with the noodles. So <laughs> thanks for asking me. Bye bye. So there you have it, Mike Allred, Parts 1 and 2, and hopefully one day we'll get together again and continue this conversation because there is so much more work to go over and so many more things to talk about, not to mention Mata Hoople and uh, talking more about Ian Hunter and uh, Overend Watts and all those, those guys from way back when. Thanks to Mike for taking time out from his busy schedule to be on the show, and thanks for Brian Hubert for arranging all of this. I really appreciate it. Don't forget to go order your copy of Mad Maniverse Volume 1, and Volume 2 comes out just in time for Christmas, so uh, be sure to pick that up. Look for it in previews. Order it directly from Dark Horse or from your local comic shop. Speaking of work that's coming out, Lex Fajardo, friend of the show, has a Kickstarter going now. So if you find your way over to Kickstarter and you're looking through comics, be sure to look for Lex Fajardo's Kid Beowulf, The Tarpeian Rock. This is a beautiful book, a great story. It is fun, action-packed. There's a lot of humor, a lot of drama, a lot of excitement, and it's educational, too. So you can't go wrong with Kid Beowulf, the Tarpeian Rock, okay? So be sure to check that out on Kickstarter. As for me, I'm on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash Jeff Grogan, G-E-O-F-F-G-R-O-G-A-N. Anything you can contribute to the uh, Uh, production of this program is greatly appreciated and don't forget I've got a brand new project I'm working on it's green screen and you can learn all about it on Instagram at green screen comic okay Kickstarter will be happening sometime in the next month or so and all of the news will be there on Instagram at green screen comic so be sure to look for that on Instagram well I'm out of time that's about it And we will have an interesting new show coming up for you relatively quickly. Uh, I'm not going to tell you anything about it now because it's still up in the air, but uh, I'm kind of excited about it. So till next time, I hope you're well. I hope you're enjoying the summer. And as always, thanks for listening. (laughs) 